Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. But here we are. Give me some football news to talk about. And we're there. And then, you know, we've got Micah Hyde to talk about. So we've got a lot to talk about today, football-wise, Greg. And I'm looking forward to having you. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Absolutely. Real quick, I'm still a little frustrated. You guys didn't warn me what I was getting into trying to learn about hockey, but, uh, you know, it's it's past that point now. (laughs) I, you know, I I don't want to take responsibility for that. I want to say that I should have relied on you to do more research. Um, and to understand the hardships and the pure insanity of people when they're trying to have discourse about the Sabres. It, it It becomes a futile enterprise because you end up getting to a point where you agree with three people who all have vastly different opinions and are all vastly overly angry about the state of the team and yet you know there's really no re- there's really nothing you could pinpoint as to why you hate it so much but here we are and uh, listen I'm I'm not what I would call at least I haven't been in a while Greg like an overly big fan of hockey. The last few years have really kind of taken some of the fandom away from me. Um, This year has done really difficult things for me. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm trying to enjoy the game. I'm trying to learn more about it. I I am a genuine neophyte. I think people think my Twitter deal is a full shtick. I I really have no idea what's going on, but unfortunately (laughs) there's there's been very little to enjoy. So hope we, we can get back to the Bills where there is a little bit more to enjoy and, and some good news going on. Yeah, I imagine your, uh, you watching the NHL or hockey in general is a lot like me trying to watch a game of lacrosse where I'm just like, <laughs> I know what the objective is. you got to get that ball in the weirdly shaped goal with the guy who's a psychopath who is wearing really no protective equipment and has a, you know... Uh, that's just what I assume your your level of knowledge is. My knowledge of, of lacrosse, and if that's the case, then yeah, you know we're in we're in we're in a weird place, buddy. But listen, that's exactly it. Listen, we've got uh, some good news to talk about, and it's Micah Hyde. And you know, one of the guys I wanted to kind of go back to, and 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 I know he uh, he's good at recalling and letting folks know when he's right because he's often right. But our buddy Bruce Nolan is often right about these things. But he he kind of mentioned, you know, if he had to choose between re-signing and extending Micah Hyde or signing. Matt Milano that the choice was simple he was he wanted to re-sign and extend um, Micah Hyde and I'm wondering um, what your thoughts are about a we don't really know the details of the cap hit I think we're all pretty under are all under the impression it's going to be almost identical to the extension that Jordan Poyer signed um, a year back what what are your overall thoughts of them getting this done and and what does it tell you that maybe Micah Hyde's the first move they made and, and maybe maybe they're trying to prioritize it and making sure he knows um, how how wanted he is in this organization organization 
I think that's a great way to look at it. I think kind of, you know, Buffalo wins this this deal in that sense of the message that it sends to the locker room and the ability that, hey, this is not some, you know, rash overreaction to get under the cap. A lot of teams are going to be in this challenge. We're still going to take care of the right people. We're still going to do the right things. I did a comparison with the Jordan Poyer deal, so they announced it as, you know, two years, $19.2 million. I there's a chance they could wiggle maybe up or down $2 million. When Jordan Poyer got his deal, it did bump his cap hit up to 8.1. I obviously don't expect that. Um, Jordan Burra, Micah Hyde's current cap hit is $6.7 million. And if they were to take his salary, which is like four and a half, and spread it out over the three years, you could move it down by $2 million. So I expect it to either stay the same or maybe get a little bit lower to get him a little bit of cash in hand now. Um, but overall, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be a huge one, but I do think it matters in the sense of, you know, we're not going to get rid of people that matter to this team, that matter to this locker room just because of a short-term impact on the cap. There will be some difficult decisions, and, and as Bruce said, um, I don't disagree if you made me choose, especially with the dollar amounts involved. I don't think it's an either-or. I think there is right, a possibility right. that Matt Milano's back, but I, I think this is a great first step, and I, honestly, I expect a similar announcement with Jerry Hughes next week. Interesting. So you now were you surprised before I go on to your comment there about Jerry Hughes because I think that's interesting. Um did were you at all surprised that this move wasn't done in conjunction with freeing up some space this year? Like, hey, we're going to reduce your overall salary by whatever or what or, or cash on the books this year, but we're also going to extend you in the process. Are are you at all surprised that there wasn't a maybe a motive in there to try to bring Micah Hyde's uh, yearly number in 2021 down a bit to create a little additional space? Or do you think maybe Greg that that may have happened and we simply don't know the details yet? Yeah, so so the math that I mentioned there, it is possible. And I, again, the maximum they could reduce it was two point one million from six point seven down to about four point six. There just simply isn't that much money to move. Um, and again, that's because his salary was only four and a half million. His cap hit was only six point seven. There's only so much you can juggle around there, especially when you're giving a guy an extension and a pay raise for the other two years. Something like, we'll use Jerry Hughes, um, where his cap hit is $9.4 million, his salary is a little bit higher, and some of the other ones where you're, you know, if you do a restructuring with a Stefan Diggs where his salary is $12.5 million, then you have a lot more to move around and to create space with those you know, moves that we always get frustrated over the years. That, hey, how do the Saints create space yeah. and add more people? I thought just did, it, just did it yesterday, too. Oh, yeah. And they'll continue. They, heck, they probably have 10 more of those to do. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Micah Hyde's contract simply wasn't one of those that afforded us a ton of flexibility financially, um, but maybe $2 million. I, I would expect that they probably use it to give him more of that cash up front while not increasing the cap versus creating cap space is my guess, but we'll see when the, the details come up. The uh, the smooth sound and the smooth voice you're hearing uh, on the airwaves on the Western Hotline is Greg Thompson of Cover One. We're talking a little bit uh, a salary cap. We're talking about potential Bills moves here. And you mentioned Greg. Um, you you mentioned Jerry Hughes on on what you're expecting to see in the coming days here. Um, are you expecting that maybe his contract is one that you could see them generating a, some additional relief for this year while also maybe extending him another year or two? I, listen, I I think it's tough to look at Jerry Hughes and see a guy who's going to be in his 33 season um, and think like he's lost a step. In fact, it seems like every year we keep saying to ourselves, was this Jerry Hughes' best season? Um, So I I think we're at the point with him where 
I think we can kind of continue pushing it out another year, another year, until we start to see any really semblance of, of, of down in his game. 100%. And I'm not going to put him completely on the level of a Kyle Williams, but that's the way I approached hmm. the end of Kyle Williams' career was that, hey, he's welcome back every single year that he wants to do it. And if we find out during one of those years that, well, all right, he lost a step, this was the last one, I'm okay finding that out during the season. Yeah. There are some hard, hard realities where you want to be a year early rather than a year late. I'm okay including Jerry Hughes in the it's okay to be a year late in that club. And I think that he's shown, especially the way defensive lines work in the NFL nowadays, you know, I don't know that he's going to be 65 70% of snaps as he was down the stretch here for the remaining this year and I'm going to guess one or two more year extension they give him. But watching guys like Justin Houston and Michael Strahan yeah, and others yeah. that were you know really productive pass rushers to 34, 35, 36, uh, we just watched Cameron Wake with you know Miami and Tennessee. I think Jerry Hughes can be a productive contributor. Maybe he turns into 30 or 40 percent, and that's why you draft an AJ Epinesa, and maybe we draft another pass rusher this year. But I think his contract is one where if they find a number that's fair and they say, hey, Jerry, you know, I don't know that we can keep going at $10 million, but we want you around. We'd like to add two more years on at $6 million and then spread out this year's number, and we'll announce it as a two-year, $12 million extension, but really we're going to take a chunk of this year's and spread it out over those two years. You have security for three years, maybe a little more guarantee than a 32-year-old would normally get, but you give us back maybe 4 or $5 million of this year's money to help us out on the cap. You get a nice check. Everybody's happy. I, I just I think that's very doable for a guy that they care about and matters to this locker room. So, are you at all surprised? I think we're, we're I think we're single digits away, days away from the actual legal tampering period. Uh, 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 free agent doesn't officially start until the seventeenth of the month. We know the legal tampering period happens before that. Um, are you at all surprised to see? And, and or do you think it's maybe just my? my inability to be patient and wanting moves to happen that you, you haven't seen more of Brandon Bean going out there and, you know, starting to, 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 to create more space for himself in this year. Or do you, or do you, maybe you're buying the fact that he maybe wanted to see the official dust settle on a couple of things on what the final number was going to be after the TV deal comes through of what the actual cap number was going to be. And potentially what the rollover number was going to look like. Do you think maybe he was kind of waiting for the, the dust to settle there before he really starts to to roll up his sleeves with, with roster decisions? 100%. I think you hit on several key points there. One, the cap hasn't been announced yet. Nobody knows what it is, and I would encourage Bills fans, every day that we wait is better because they're trying to find more money. They're trying to find more revenue to tie to this cap number. Teams like the Jets and the Jaguars and the Colts, they want the cap done now. They want to cut it off and say, nope, come on, let's make it, let's go with it, whatever we have. All the new numbers on the TV deals, you hear about yep. the broadcast networks giving a 100% increase, literally doubling their increase, and a pretty sizable one for ESPN, ABC, and Amazon paying up for exclusive rights on the Thursday night game. They're going to try to grab every single dollar they can to, you know, I don't think it's all of a sudden going to jump back up to the 198. But I've heard some smart people I respect say that, hey, 188 or 190 is not a pipe dream. Like, that's possible. So we'll see where that goes. I think that matters. Then you talk about the rollover number. They were waiting on that. I think that Brandon Bean has, uh, so recently I'll, I'll plug the show, Aaron and I went through 16 different transactions, all of the top paid guys on the roster. And what would we do? Would we just sit there? Would we cut them? Would we extend them? Would we restructure them? Each of them have options available. 
And in theory, we created $50 million in cap space, but you would kick some pretty painful cans down the road, limit yourself in the future. Really what he has is each of those are a tool in his tool belt. If they had finalized the deal on J.J. Watt, there were probably two corresponding moves they would have made to offset that money. The same thing if they go after a Carl Lawson or a Yannick Ngakwe or who, anyone that they go after in those positions, there's a corresponding guy that they're going to say, well, all right, we got to cut him and we restructure him. They're not going to proactively go out there. That's a great point, Greg. The cap space and then say, well, we created all this money. Let's go see if we can spend it. I think that's such a good point. I think that's such a good point. And and something that even myself hadn't really considered. It's like, hey, why aren't they making moves to create the space? Because what if you, Brandon Bean, and you target, these are the two defensive ends that I really, truly believe that I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to bring in here long term. And I'm willing to move some people off the roster to do so. You don't make that move without knowing that you have a good chance to actually sign that guy or that that guy's going to agree to a number that you believe he's actually worth on the market. So I, I think that's great. I think it's a, it's a great point to make is you don't want to get rid of Mario Addison unless you know for certain that you have a replacement for Mario Addison. 100%. And I think that there are moves, all of them even take it further on kind of the emotional and the respect side of things. Let's say they agreed to extensions with both Micah Hyde and Jerry Hughes at the same time. They don't that's not fair to either of them. They want each of them to get their shine and their moment. So they're going to say, hey, we're going to announce Micah today. We'll wait till Tuesday to announce Jerry's. Or they, they have it kind of handshake at the one-yard line. Say, hey, we'll finalize this one next week so that way you get your two or three days of media cycle time as your own shine. They're going to have some things like that as well that they just, they're going to pace out. There's no real benefit other than our, like you said, impatience and wanting to know and having those things done ahead of time. I have a feeling there are two or three guys on the Bills roster who are already aware that they're going to be released. Mm. I think there are, there are two or three guys who are aware that, hey, it's very likely we're going to come to you for a restructure, and they've probably already hammered out the, the framework of what that looks like, and it's, hey, we're 99% sure we're going to need this, but we'll let you know when the time comes. And then a handful of others that they've probably had some discussions with to say, hey, I don't know that we're going to get to this point, but if we do, here's what we're thinking. So you guys start to mull that over in case we need to get to it. This is a very detail-oriented, prudent front office that has those kind of discussions ahead of time, and then you go to it. Each of them are a card to play if you need to in those situations because, whoa, we didn't think that, you know, hey, we lost out on Matt Milano, but we thought Jayon Brown was going to be in the same price range, and he's actually – three or four million less and we think he's just as good or better than milano um we need to free up nine million dollars right now to be able to bring in this replacement linebacker this is a big win for us boom you're going to make those two or three moves then you're not going to do it and then find out oh we're actually going to sign nicholas morrow from the raiders for three million we don't really need to free up extra space to do that we're good you know, each of those is going to be if we see a guy we target and we come to an agreement boom give us just a minute all right guys Cut Vernon Butler, renegotiate Stephon Diggs, give us a little bit of uh, extension money there. All right, we got the money. Jayon Brown, you're a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I know this is something Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic pointed out too and and something maybe we haven't taken into account is is – there are two guys, and, and, and this is probably part of the John Brown conversation. Before I even get to this, I'm wondering if you think that John Brown's probably one of those guys that's already been kind of notified, like, hey, more than likely 
your your current salary cap hit is kind of a luxury um and your presence is frankly a luxury um having you know having that fourth receiver um do you suspect that really that what i guess the question here ultimately on John Brown is I, I I would agree that they probably are better with him. The question is, can they find a way to reduce that number? He's not going to just take a pay cut. Um, so is there a scenario you can see him maybe coming back to the team, or do you believe more than likely they're just kind of ready to move on and, and, and sort of hand things over to Gabriel Davis and, and, and maybe find Gabriel Davis's replacement in the lineup uh, for next year? So I think you're spot on that. There's no path I can see where John Brown makes a $9.6 million cap hit for the Bills in 2021. Now, I'm probably closer to 50-50 on whether that is just an outright release or a renegotiation or not dissimilar from the Jerry Hughes math that I said that, hey, you know, I'm Brandon Bean talking to his agent. You know, come on, you know John's not going to get $9 million a year out on the market, we think. He's a $5 million a year player, so we're okay with that. How about we add a year on, we spread it out, we make it a two-year, $10 million deal. Everybody's kind of happy. We get to keep you here. You give us back four and a half, five million in 2021 cap space. We think that's as good as you're going to get on the market anyways. And a third path is they don't agree with that number. They go out there on the market. They all of a sudden see the Kenny Gallaudets and Allen Robinsons and Chris Godwins and Curtis Samuels of the world and realize, oh, crap, I'm competing with T.Y. Hilton and A.J. Green for third-tier money. And then he comes back and says, okay, 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 how right. about one year, one year, three million, and we try again next year. So I think there's one or two paths where he is on the roster in 2021. I don't see any of those paths where it's at the current cap hit. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. And and I, I think ultimately where you get to with this this offense in particular, and I know we've all, you and me and, and our, our buddy Jeremy White, we've all sort of been on the train of, you know, this team has to upgrade somehow at the tight end position. And you know, ultimately, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of back and forth on how that how that's done. Um, I'm, I think more and more as I get closer and closer to the legal tampering period and get closer and closer to the opening free agency, I feel less and less that this team's going to really expend a number that I would think is going to be necessary to capture one of the top two or three guys um, in free agency. And with that said, I know Eric has done some work on guys like Dan Arnold. Um, is there another tight end maybe outside the top three? And I think, I'm think i thinking the top three is maybe Everett is three, Hunter Henry one, and you got John U. Smith kind of uh, sandwiched in there at number two. Is there another guy maybe you've, you've kept an eye on that you you think, hey, maybe Brandon Bean isn't really willing to shell out $8 million a year, but maybe he's willing to shell out four. And there, is there a certain type of player you'd like to see matched up with Dawson Knox? Because I know there is for me. Yeah, I think a, a guy I think I've heard you brought up before, I certainly like the Jared Cooks of the world. I think that's a reasonable one. Like I said, Eric is a big fan of Dan Arnold. There's a range where if, if Brandon Bean thinks, and I've, I've brought up this kind of, decision point for Bills fans to consider. If you still see Dawson Knox as a tight end one, then you're looking for a short-term Band-Aid, one year, you know, just kind of add in. Maybe he's a little better than what Tyler Croft was, but we're just waiting for Dawson Knox to break out. Then you're not going to spend money on a Jonu Smith, a Hunter Henry, a Gerald Everett, because you're bringing those guys in to start, and they want to get paid to start. They're going to be paid as tight end ones. Um, a couple names, you know, Trey Burton is a guy, mm. you know, from the, yeah. the Philly Philly special at the Super Bowl. Um, Richard Rogers is a guy that has, has been out there before. Um, even a Ricky Seals Jones. Those are the kind of guys that, you know, in this market, they're probably veteran minimum guys. They're probably at most $2 million guys. 
Um, they have a little less of a ceiling than Dan Arnold. I think Dan Arnold's agent can get a little more money than they are, but those are guys that I think can come in and contribute. They can play snaps. They can block. They can catch. They're reliable. They're not breaking out anything. They're not any big weapon. But when you're talking about, you know, we've, we're going to lose Lee Smith and Tyler Croft, and we have no idea if Tammy Sweeney can ever play football again, we need some functional professional bodies at tight end, mm-hmm. let alone top-end talent. So I, I don't even think adding two people is out of the question. I've, I've advocated for a value signing and a draft pick. But Trey Burton, Richard Rogers, those are names that are probably below the radar. They're not flashy your shiny ones people are going to celebrate. But those are professional you know, tight ends who know what they're doing. And if you still think Dawson Knox can take that step to be a tight end one, I'm, I'm not sure I'm in that camp. But if you do, those are the kind of signings you would add uh, to be a you know, higher-end tight end two. So this might be my, my last thing for you, because I think this is a really interesting conversation to move forward about the tight end position as a whole. And I guess the question becomes, you know, how many more years of the Brian Dable system are we really going to be under? I, I would suspect if he has another good season, he's going to be a head coach next year. Um, I think they scaved by this year with him out, with, with him not taking a job or getting an offer um, to take a job. And, and, I, and I'm thinking this way because... I don't necessarily think – I think forcing Dawson Knox to play a traditional inline tight end role is doing him a disservice. I think it's doing the offense a disservice because I don't think it's highlighting the skill set that he really has. I view him more as a guy that could do more things, that should do a lot of things, that should line up in the backfield next to the quarterback and be a guy that runs routes out of the backfield. A guy that you know it can be your motion guy that can line up um, as a wide receiver, move in, motion, but be a guy that's getting out in space and blocking. Not an inline blocker someone that's going to help in double teams and get to the next level. That's not where I see Dawson Knox, and that's not where I see him winning as a pass catcher either. So with that said, I think there's room to say, I want Dawson Knox on this roster. I want to continue building around Dawson Knox on this roster, but I want to get a traditional in-line tight end, a guy that we can put in the game, a Lee Smith, right? But maybe he has a little bit more pass catching prowess than a guy like Lee Smith, but can bring that uh, that blocking that you want to see in you know, I'm a big Tommy Tremble fan, but if you draft Tommy Tremble, you're not drafting him to pair with Dawson Knox. You're you're drafting Tommy Tremble to take over Dawson Knox because they're the same athletic profile and the same type of player that you want to not necessarily limit by just having his hand in the dirt as a normal inline tight end. 100%. And I think that, you know, obviously a, a player I'm sure you have no familiarity with, like a Kyle Rudolph, he went to a, a school that you mentioned Who? before. Um, he's the kind of guy that, again, it totally depends on his market. If someone's going to throw six, seven, eight million dollars, that's crazy. They might. God bless him. Yeah. God bless him. Go get that money. If he's looking for, hey, I want to catch on with a winning team, and I've won NFL Man of the Year. I have, a, you know, a Pro Bowl. I've, I've had a good career. I now want to try to win. And you can get him for three or four million, and he's more in that Jared Cook range. He's that exact guy. He is that inline guy who can line up next to a tackle. He's not a phenomenal blocker, but he's as good as Tyler Croft was and as good as Dawson Knox is. I don't, you know, Lee Smith, for as much crap as what he gets, the man was the best blocking tight end in the NFL yeah. for almost a decade. We're probably not going to one for one replace that, but he's more the traditional, you know, what, 6'6, six, 6'7, six, six, 260 pound inline tight end. And then you let Dawson Knox be the move tight end, the H back. The, the guy out in the slot that is the matchup uh, player. Um, and, again, a guy like Richard Rodgers would allow for that as well. He's more of that kind of guy. 
the same thing. We bring up Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold's more of your Tommy Tremble idea that, hey, we're bringing in competition to replace Dawson yeah. Knox. Not, 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 not compliment him. Correct, correct. So that's actually a key move. I, I will say I think based on the what I anticipate to be two moves, so whether it's two cheap tight ends in free agency, one in the draft, one in free agency, I think the kind of players they bring in will be a – kind of sneaky indicator of what they think of Dawson Knox. If you see guys who bring that, you know, flexible move uh, weapon kind of thing, that's kind of a replacement idea if they bring in another, you know, 6'6", 260, hand-in-the-dirt inline tight end, that tells you they still have plans for him further, in my opinion. All right, boss, tell the folks uh, what kind of work you guys got coming up over at Cover One uh, with you and Aaron on the podcast and any other uh, written work as we kind of ex- – listen, we're approaching my favorite time of the year, so I-, I know you've got some good stuff coming out. Absolutely. So come on, check us out over on the Cover One Buffalo podcast, doing all kinds of different shows, jumping around, doing you know breakdowns of the Bills cap space, options, how they can create room, different targets we can go after at each area. We're going to be going through in this week's show, we're going to be bringing on a couple different folks and doing a full roundtable of who the Bills' top targets are at each position of need, kind of a high-end shiny one, a good mid-range value guy, and then our, our favorite kind of diamond in the rough at each of the top positions going after what do we do if we need to replace our right tackle, what do we do if we need to replace linebacker or cornerback or pass rusher or tight end and some of those key positions. So it should be a really fun discussion and something that uh, hopefully a lot of people want to check out. So you can find me on Twitter at Greg Thompson or on the Cover One Buffalo podcast or coming out and hanging out with you anytime I can. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Nicholas Morrow and uh, the Raiders in talks to keep Nicholas Morrow is a, is a tweet I just saw. It's just funny. It's funny how when you put things in the universe, they, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they just. I, I, I dislike that news greatly. Yeah, I know. I, I feel the same way. All right, brother. Appreciate you as always. We'll talk again soon and uh, keep up the great work.